chapter five of dr luttrell's first patient by rosa newshet carey this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter five a visit to galveston house he who knows how to speak knows also when to speak plutarch the next morning as olivia sat at work with dot on the rug at her feet playing with a limp furry monkey over which she was gurgling and cooing like a baby dove dr luttrell entered the room there was a pleased look on his face olive he said look what mr gaythorne has given me for poor jack travers and he held a five-pound note before his wife's eyes don't you think we owe him a handsome apology for calling him a miser it does not do to judge by appearances in this world mr gaythorne is eccentric and a trifle cantankerous but he is not stingy jack travers is that the poor man in the models oh marcus how splendid of him to give all that it will be quite a fortune to the poor things yes it will pay their rent until travers gets about again he is not going to die this journey was it not liberal of the old fellow but if you had only seen the way he gave it to me as though he were ashamed of the whole thing that is for the man you told me about last night he said in quite a grumpy voice and he had hardly seemed as though he had listened yesterday and he would not let me thank him he turned testy at once by the by livy he wants you to go and see him you have evidently won his heart my dear if mrs luttrell has half an hour's leisure i shall be pleased to see her those were his very words i hope you told him that it would be rather difficult to find leisure with all my numerous engagements returned olivia saucily but that i would do my best for him how many callers have we had since we were married marcus let me see the vicar and mrs tolman oh and one day mrs tolman brought a friend i remember how excited i was that afternoon and that horrid little sarah jane had her sleeves rolled up to her elbows when she opened the door and i dared not offer them tea because i knew she would never have had boiling water oh yes continued olivia merrily i will look over my visiting list and see how i am to squeeze in a call at galveston house what hour do you think would suit him best marcus then dr luttrell who had been much amused by his wife's drollery gravely considered the point about three o'clock i should say i think he wants to show you his flowers he is going to have his couch wheeled into the conservatory or his winter garden as he calls it why should you not go across this afternoon now i must be off to the models and as olivia took up her work again there was a soft flush on her cheek and a happy look in her eyes as she listened to his light springing tread dear marcus she said to herself how pleased he is about this it has done him good already 
oh how i hope mr gaythorne will take a fancy to him he is rich and liberal i am sure of that he will pay marcus well and perhaps before long some one else will send for him what dot my sweet must i love jacko too as dot laid her treasure on her mother's lap when olivia rang at the bell of galveston house that afternoon the same rosy-cheeked maid admitted her if you will step into the library a minute ma'am she observed i will tell mrs crampton and olivia was left alone in the beautiful room she remembered so well a bright fire burned cheerily on the hearth and the blind hound lay on the rug he came up to olivia and thrust his slender nose into her hand in a friendly fashion it was in this room that mr gaythorne evidently passed his days the tables bore signs of his numerous occupations one table seemed loaded with books of reference a pile of neatly written manuscripts were on the escritoire portfolios of engravings and a microscope on a pedestal stand occupied one corner and a small inner room seemed full of cabinets and cases of stuffed birds and butterflies mr gaythorne was evidently a collector and a man of culture the volumes in the carved oak bookcases were mostly bound in russian calf olivia had only time to read a few titles when mrs crampton appeared her comely face had a pleased smile on it mr gaythorne will be extremely obliged if you will step upstairs and see him ma'am she said civilly he has been wheeled into the conservatory my master thinks a deal of his flowers books and flowers they are his main amusements when his cough keeps him from going out oh you must come too eros of course as the hound followed them closely galveston house had been built in rather an unusual fashion a conservatory had been thrown out at the back of the first floor landing and ran along one side of the house forming a sort of veranda to the lower rooms as mrs crampton opened the glass door the warm fragrant air met them deliciously at the farther end mr gaythorne lay on a couch under a tall palm with an oriental quilt thrown over him his dark crimson dressing-gown and black velvet cap gave him a picturesque appearance with his white peaked beard and moustache and his dark sunken eyes he would have passed for a venetian doge the mass of brilliant bloom and the warm flower-scented air made olivia slightly giddy this is very kind of you mrs luttrell observed mr gaythorne in a slow precise voice as she stooped over him and took his hand crampton bring a chair for the lady i have been wanting to thank you for your kind assistance that unlucky evening i told the doctor so and he has been good enough to give you my message indeed i did very little returned olivia in her mellow voice you seemed so feeble that i could not help watching you cross the road and then you slipped and i felt you had hurt yourself i fear from what my husband tells me that it will be some little time before you will be able to get out again so he says and he threatens me with crutches returned the old man grimly 
but as i seldom cross the threshold in winter i need not trouble myself about that are you fond of flowers mrs luttrell as olivia's eyes wandered to the splendid exotics round her crampton shall cut you some presently my library and my winter garden form my entire world now and you live among all these lovely things observed olivia almost in a tone of awe oh if only aunt madge could see these flowers she spoke impulsively without considering her words and blushed a little when she saw mr gaythorne lift his eyebrows cynically i was only thinking of my aunt mrs broderick she said apologetically she is such a sad invalid she has never been out once since uncle fergus died and that is ever so many years ago and she suffers such dreadful pain sometimes the doctors say her complaint is incurable and she is not at all old she lives all alone with her maid and never goes beyond her two rooms and yet no one hears her complain mrs broderick must be a wonderful person she beats job returned mr gaythorne with a cynical curl of his lip but olivia was too much engrossed with her subject to notice it oh she is wonderful she returned earnestly i never met any one like her she is the bravest woman i know even the vicar says so don't you love pluck mr gaythorne so few people are plucky in that sense aunt madge has lost everything she cares for husband and child and health but she bears it all so beautifully and makes the best of things i could not help thinking of her when i saw all those lovely flowers she simply dotes on flowers there are always some on her little table flowers and books those are her sole pleasures what on earth made you hold forth on aunt madge's virtues you absurd child was marcus's comment when olivia repeated this portion of her conversation fancy entertaining mr gaythorne with an account of your relations and olivia blushed guiltily it does sound odd if you put it in that way marcus she returned but when i saw all those beautiful flowers aunt madge just jumped into my head and i always do speak out my thoughts so but i could see he was interested he said little sharp sneering things at first but afterwards he questioned me a good deal oh we got on splendidly he began asking me about ourselves and if you had much of a practice oh he said it quite nicely as marcus dropped the loaf he was cutting and frowned anxiously he was quite gentlemanly and only hinted at things but i understood him of course and you told him i suppose that he was my first patient in an annoyed tone you may as well own it livy you are honest enough even for that and there was no denying that marcus's voice was decidedly sarcastic with all her virtues olivia never did know when to hold her tongue oh marcus dear how could i help it replied olivia nervously of course i had to tell him that we were just beginners and how dr slade had deceived us yet there was no redress as he was dead but i told him too how hard you worked among the poor he did not say much i don't think he is a great talker but he stroked that funny beard of his and nodded his head 
then when mrs crampton came up he told her to bring coffee and he made me stay and pour it out for him there was such a lovely chase coffee pot and cream jug and such delicious cakes and when i said at last that i must go he thanked me quite pleasantly it is long since i have been so well amused and i hope you will come and see me again yes he said that marcus so i am sure he did not mind my frankness but oh dear he quite forgot to tell mrs crampton to cut me some flowers you need not expect any flowers now returned her husband impatiently you have done for yourself and me too i expect a beginner you said livy and you a sensible woman when i go this evening i have no doubt i shall be civilly told that a second opinion will be desirable my dear girl don't you know that a modest reticence a judicious silence is sometimes the safest policy a professional beggar may whine and show his sores but a needy doctor out at elbows must wear a good appearance but olivia who was on the verge of tears from sheer vexation at her own impulsiveness did not seek to defend herself if she had imperilled marcus's professional reputation by her carelessness she felt she should never hold up her head again but marcus who was tired and a little out of humour was not disposed to comfort her he had had a worrying day among his poor patients the one bright spot had been his visit to the models when jack travers had sobbed and broken down in the attempt to speak his gratitude and now just as they were getting on so well olivia's want of tact and that terribly honest tongue of hers had spoilt everything was it likely was it within the bounds of possibility that a man of the world a rich man too would be content with the services of an unknown practitioner if he put himself in mr gaythorne's place he knew that he should be disposed to request dr bevan to call it was not only a sprained ankle mr gaythorne was an ailing man and needed medical care marcus who was clever and quick-witted had already formed a pretty correct diagnosis of the case there is mental as well as physical trouble he had said to himself the previous evening and with professional reticence he had kept this opinion to himself but he was already deeply interested in his patient so much was at stake and their fortunes were at so low an ebb that marcus might be pardoned for his unusual touchiness yet when he left the room without further remark olivia's heart sank within her why could i not have held my tongue she thought with tardy repentance what could have induced me to talk so much but mr gaythorne really seemed interested and somehow he encouraged me to go on if he had appeared bored or tired i should have stopped at once but he seemed so curious about aunt madge he even asked if she had a good doctor oh dear surely that is not marcus going out as the street door opened and now there were actual tears in olivia's eyes in all the two years of their happy married life they had never had more than a momentary misunderstanding if a hasty word had been uttered by one of them the other had always an eager protest or a smooth answer ready when olivia had been impatient and captious marcus had only laughed and coaxed her into good humour again and even when he had indulged in a few sarcastic speeches olivia's soft voice and ready acquiescence had avoided friction marcus often told her that they were a model couple and had earned 
the dunmo flitch over and over again but in reality their mutual respect and thorough understanding of each other's salient points had conduced to this harmony that marcus should leave the house therefore without speaking to her alarmed olivia excessively she must have vexed him indeed if he could do such a thing as that and here one or two bright drops ran down on the blue pelisse she was actually crying like a scolded child when two or three minutes later the parlour door opened and marcus entered his face wore a queer expression and in each hand he held an exquisite bunch of hot-house flowers their perfume reached olivia before he laid them before her there olive he said i take back my words then as he caught sight of her tear-stained face oh you foolish little woman you absurd child but his hand rested affectionately on her soft brown hair as she put back her head against him oh marcus i could not help crying to think i had vexed you so somehow it is the one thing i cannot bear to think my foolish tongue should have harmed you i was in an awful funk certainly returned marcus frankly but i never meant to bother you like that cheer up livy i dare say it is all right and i know you will be a model of discretion for the future aren't you going to look at your flowers and then olivia did permit herself to be consoled think of his cutting all those lovely flowers for me she cried ecstatically is he not an old dear marcus but why two bouquets knitting her brows in a puzzled fashion you had better open that folded slip of paper suggested her husband sensibly it may explain matters and olivia took his advice mrs luttrell with mr gaythorne's compliments was pencilled in a shaky hand and on the second slip almost illegibly for mrs luttrell's aunt oh marcus how sweet of him and olivia looked almost lovely in her excitement and marcus agreed that he was a good old sort if you are going to write a note of thanks you must just hurry up as it is nearly time for me to go across and then olivia put the flowers in water and got out her writing-case End of chapter 5